1: that's hard for you, gives you tremendous power.
0: If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show. Don't keep your day job. My name is Kathy Heller, and I'm a singer-songwriter. I make a living doing what I love, and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to help you do that and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies. This is going to help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. Thanks to Bon Appetit for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Go to BonAppetit.com slash GetBA and enter promo code DreamJob for a special discount and start shopping now at BonAppetit.com slash GetBA. It's the perfect gift set for the cooks and food lovers in your life. That's BonAppetit.com slash GetBA and promo code DreamJob. Thanks to ShipStation for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use my promo code Dream job. Remember, free for 30 days and get an additional month free with my promo code DREAMJOB. Thanks to Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack is a messaging app which brings all your team's communication together, giving everyone a shared workspace where conversations are organized and accessible. Go to slack.com to learn more. Hey guys, this is Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job so I'm excited about today's episode. We have Nancy Kruger Cohen here today. She's the co-founder and chief creative officer of mouth.com. We're going to talk about starting an indie food business and it's going to be lots of fun. Um, It's also the holiday season. And while we're going to like talk about fun holiday things, and we're going to talk about business today and strategy, I just wanted to pause for a second and talk about winter and talk about the holiday season. Look, you know, it's one of my favorite times because there are Christmas lights on the trees and I, I love like driving around town and listening to Christmas music and it's fun to get together with family and friends and exchange gifts and it's fun. There There's a lot to it that I I really, really look forward to and I feel a little sad sometimes when the season ends and at the same time, there's always this other part you know, there's this part of us, all of us, I think that compares ourselves to other people. And I think that everybody, everybody feels a little bit lonely. I feel like in general, It's easy to look at other people and say, well, I wish I had their Christmas plans. I wish I was, you know, getting to go away to that place in Telluride, or I wish that I had a house full of people in Connecticut with the fire burning and everybody was exchanging gifts and I wish that my parents were still together, or I wish this, or I wish that. There's so many things that we can focus on and it makes us feel less than and it makes us feel like something in our life is wrong. And we do this throughout the year. We don't just do this on Christmas. But during the holidays it can be particularly tough, especially if you have gone through loss or something unfortunate has happened. It's it's painful. It's particularly painful. So I just want to say for anyone who's feeling a little bit down that First of all, you're not alone. Everybody's been through it. If they're not going through it now, they've been through it. And even if they, they're not going through it now, I just want you to know that every person, you know, yeah, you might drive by houses and it might look like everybody's tucked away inside having the best time. But every person is truly striving to feel more fulfilled. Every person is trying to feel more connected and have more purpose. And everyone feels a little lonely at the end of the day. And so, yes, there might be varying degrees of it, but every person is kind of wrestling with the same stuff and nobody has it totally together. So I don't want you to feel that. That's number one. The other thing I want to remind you of is it is winter. You know, it's winter. It's the darkest days of the year. It's the coldest days of the year. And so it kind of makes sense that there's this part of us that starts to feel a little bit sad and turns inward, okay? But I want to remind you of what nature knows about winter. I want to remind you of what's true about winter that we forget. So yeah, we see the trees, you know, completely bare, you know, all the leaves fell off in autumn and now the trees are bare, you know, and we we start to see that things are dying, you know, things are dying all around us. But what does it actually mean? What it actually means is that very soon the spring is coming. And so if it wasn't for winter, there wouldn't be any of this renewal. And this is so obvious. We know it, but we forget it. We absolutely forget it. You know, I was talking once to a Holocaust survivor, and she said, there's a blessing to be like a rooster. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And she said, yeah, there's a blessing to be like a rooster. I said, why? She said, because the rooster, the rooster is the first one who knows. That when it gets to be the absolute darkest, just then, just then when it's the absolute darkest, that's exactly when the the night starts to turn to day and the dawn breaks and the light appears. And she said, so there's a blessing to be like a rooster so that when it's darkest, when the trees have all lost their leaves, when everything around us starts to feel small. That's when we know things are about to turn. Things are about to turn. And the night, just like that, it turns into day. Just like that. That's really powerful. And one of the reasons I think that these holidays were put in this month and in this time is because we need this lift. So so I want you to remember, like, you know, there's so much renewal going on right now. And sometimes just when you don't see it's happening, it's happening. And one thing I wanted to say on this topic is that one of the seminal ingredients of Hanukkah to the, to the whole story and, and literally the ingredient that we use most when we're preparing food for Hanukkah is oil. So traditionally, we eat potato latkes, which is uh, potato pancakes, and we also eat donuts because they're fried in oil. Why is that? One thing about oil that's significant is that you can mix oil with gallons of water, right? You could just mix it and mix it and mix it what happens to the oil the oil will rise up the oil will rise to the top and it doesn't matter how much you try to mix it and make it sort of like get get caught up in everything else it rises to the top okay so so there's a part of you there is a part of you that knows exactly what i'm saying there's a part of you that is so whole and so okay and it's so within reach all the time and i want you to know that it's there that part of you, it doesn't matter how much fear, it doesn't matter how much negativity, it doesn't matter how much the leaves have fallen off the trees. There's a part of you that is so okay and is so clear and is really there for you. And it's, it's not the chatter in your mind. It's not, it's not the thoughts, right? We're not our thoughts. We're not the chatter. We're the witness of those thoughts. And so that wholeness and that stillness and that groundedness of who we really are, it's always there within us. And so I want you to, to just know that it's there and give yourself a little extra self-care this holiday. It's a time where people get busier. It's a time where people are not eating as well. It's a time where people are sort of thinking about everybody else and, and paying as much as they can to spend money on gifts. And we forget to take a walk by ourselves or go get a coffee and just, you know, take your dog on a hike or just go to a yoga class and take a deep breath. And think about all the things you have to be grateful for. The holidays are both beautiful and challenging, but that part of you, like the oil, it won't ever completely get doused by fear and and all this unknown and insecurity and the self-doubt. There's a part of you that is so okay and is untarnished by any of that. And I just want you to, to call that into frame sometimes and know that that's really who you are. And you've already walked through the hardest things, and you're going to be okay. And you're you're not alone. And and just now, when the days are the shortest, and that's when they're going to start to get, you know, longer again. And just as we hit the winter solstice, just then things start to turn, and the days start to get longer once again, until they get longer, 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 and then summer's here. So I will continue to be with you week after week, cheering for you, rooting for you, and helping you continue to to know what's real and to know that you matter. So today I'm excited. We're going to talk more about food and we're going to be talking about how you grow a successful indie food business. Just like we talked about last week when it comes to starting your own Etsy shop, I know that so many of you, your thing is food. I talked early on in the show, I think it was like the second episode, I talked about a woman who who's famous for making flan. And I love that story. And I I just want to remind you, like, it is all possible. And there's no reason why in 2018 things can't start to click and you – You can't start having the life that you want, and it's absolutely possible that you can, and I want you to get out of your own way, and so today we're going to dive into food a little bit more. We're going to talk about it, and the truth is that this conversation will relate to you whether you're starting a food business or any other kind of business because the principles are very similar. So we have Nancy Kruger Cohen here today, and she is the co-founder and chief creative officer of mouth.com which is the leading online destination for small batch food and craft spirits and wine gifts. Uh, Her background is as an editorial and advertising creative director, designer, and writer. She has a really interesting path. Um, She was an art director at several magazines. She went on to work in the fashion world, and now she is co-founder of this amazing company. And I felt like it was so on target with what it is that we discussed because her company helps indie makers, whether you're of all kinds in the food and and spirits world, whether you're making your own whiskey or you're making your own peanut butter or you're making your own caramel. Uh, her company is seeing every single day all of these amazing indie makers who are making a living doing this thing that they love. And here I am, you know, I talk to you about this, but it's so fun to bring somebody on who sees hundreds of these people every single day making a living doing what it is that they just love to do. And so I'm excited to dive into this interview and hear what she says and get her perspective and get her advice. Um, And also for you to hear her own personal journey because she's had a few dream jobs and, uh, and I look forward to hearing how we can unpack that and maybe learn something from it that we can we can put into our own strategy and into our own life. Also, I would be happy to feature you guys. I want to start hearing about the steps you're taking as a result of listening to the show. I want you to come to Instagram. I want you to come to Facebook, wherever is easiest. I want you to tell me your stories. You can email them to me at hello at don't keep your day job. I want to start to feature you and give you back even more of an incentive to get to work on your dream because I want to start to feature you guys and put the focus and put the light on you and give you exposure for taking those steps forward. I believe in you. I love you. And I know that you're going to do some amazing things. I just have no doubt about it. And I can't wait to see all the shiny things that you're going to bring to the world. All right. Thanks to Bon Appetit for supporting our podcast. So with the holidays coming up, everyone thinks about food. Whether you're planning a big dinner for family and friends or you just want to whip up a seasonal dish here and there, chances are you're going to need some guidance and inspiration in the kitchen. That's where Bon Appetit comes in. Packed with recipes, trends, and other food intel from around the globe, BA is not only an indispensable resource for cooks at all levels, it's also the perfect gift for people who love food and who doesn't love food. Right now, Bon Appetit is offering an exclusive for podcast listeners, which is great because if you're like me, you probably still have some gift shopping to do. Here's the best part. The regular price is just 15 dollars for one year but for a limited time you'll save five dollars on a one-year subscription plus you'll get an exclusive bon appetit tote bag at just ten dollars per subscription it's not only a great gift for others it's also something you can gift yourself with too you can use promo code DreamJob for a special discount and start shopping now at bonappetit.com get ba that's bonappetit.com get ba and the promo code is DreamJob. This podcast is also brought to you by ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out the door quickly can be tough. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fast and easy way to manage and ship your orders all from one place. I strongly recommend using ShipStation because when I'm talking to indie makers and sellers, one of the things that becomes really stressful is the fulfillment of these orders. When you're having to ship things, you're having to print labels, it can become tedious and it can become taxing and you want to just be able to focus on the creativity. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly and keep customers happy, whether you're Using Shopify, Squarespace, Etsy, BigCommerce, or over 75 other popular selling channels, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, from even your cell phone. Well, right now, you can try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use my promo code DREAMJOB. Go to ShipStation.com. And before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in DREAMJOB. That's ShipStation.com. Enter DREAMJOB. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Thanks to Slack for supporting this podcast. Slack is a messaging app which brings all your team's communications together, giving everyone a shared workspace where conversations are organized and accessible. I use this with my team. It's incredible. Slack connects the tools and services you need in one place so you can reduce emails and streamline your team's communication. Organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives all in one easy-to-use app. Slack also saves you time and improves productivity. No more searching through emails for that one follow-up or going through multiple systems to find what you're looking for. Plus it's easy and convenient. You can drag and drop file sharing that works with all the apps you already use like Salesforce or Zendesk and Google drive. Plus you can tailor Slack to work with more than a thousand other apps with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly. You can always pick up where you left off no matter where you are. Slack where work happens. Find out why at slack.com that's slack.com. So with that, we're going to bring on Nancy Kruger-Cohen, and we're going to hear all about Math.com and all about the indie makers that she works with, and I'm looking forward to it. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for being here. Hi, Kathy. I'm really happy
1: to be doing this with you.
0: I know. It's so cool. It's like I love seeing strong, smart, creative women just lighting up the world. And I recently saw an article about you. Um, You were like one of the top Brooklyn entrepreneurs. I'm like, yes, I love both that it's Brooklyn entrepreneur. I love everything about that article. Um, So tell us what is
1: mouth.com and what's your role there? I am one of the co-founders and my role is chief creative officer. Um, Mouth.com is an online destination for small batch artisanal food, craft spirits, and wine gifts. Um, We search the country for the most interesting products that are being made by people, not companies. You know, people who have a passion, who are, you know, have always made something that they absolutely love to share with others, whether it's jam or chocolate or hot sauce or a cocktail mixer. And... You know, maybe they've shared it with friends and family and gotten such great feedback, and they have a job, but maybe on the side they've made a you know jam as a gift as a favor for someone's wedding, or they have you know thrown a party and served you know something that they've made a special maybe it's hot sauce, maybe it's hot fudge, and someone encouraged them you know this is really good. you should do something yeah. like this this is. This is worth sharing with a bigger audience. So cool. um, why don't you? Why don't you take it to a market? Why don't you? I'll help you print labels. Let's just do this. Or they decide for themselves. I'm just going to go for it. And very typical story. They they share it with a wider audience, perhaps at a, a farmers market or one of the you know kind of indie food markets that that are cropping up around the yeah. country. And they get feedback and they tinker and they perfect. And, um, maybe it goes into a store, and somehow this business can evolve into something where they are leaving their job and doing it full time, and they're supporting so themselves cool. from this business and It's just what we do is we find the products that we f- are think are the most interesting, most delicious um we you know, sometimes if you are a really good at making jam, right, that's what you do. You might not necessarily be that good at marketing yeah. or you might not necessarily be that great at putting it in a box and shipping it across the country. And that's kind of where we came in. And when we started, we wanted these makers to do what they do best and we would take care of all yeah. the rest for them. Um, and so we do. We scour the country. We find the most delicious products. And then we we put it together, put these products together in really fun, interesting ways because people like sharing this stuff with each other and and giving these things as gifts uh, because it's it's really become kind of you know particularly for a certain generation of you know everyone's on Instagram yeah. with their food and they're you know eating is an activity, yes, it eating is, is entertainment. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's not just about the eating. It's like, well, let me tell you about this. This guy got his start, you know, doing this or you know, she was she was a librarian and now she's, a, you know, now her oh cookies are in every store. Amazing. So, these are really passionate people and we, you know, we love telling these stories and it's really it's both nostalgic and it's innovative, yeah. right? They're people going back to doing things by hand and yet they're using super modern technology tapping into what people want they have beautiful packaging and you know we're providing an opportunity for people to share it with each other uh,
0: it's so like scintillating because this is it's so in the bullseye of what this whole show is about and this is why I wanted to have you on so badly because I've been following Mouth for years I mean I can't think of a more perfect fit for our audience cuz so many of our listeners are people who themselves are making popcorn or soap or pretzels covered in chocolate and I love just looking at your site it is gorgeous you guys if you're listening to us right now and you haven't been to mouth.com you have to see it I'm telling you what it's like it's literally eye candy it's such an incredible example of something where right off the page you know exactly who these people are at this company and you feel like you guys are everybody's friends and yet it's like a sophisticated cool friend that you want to have over for dinner you know it's like you guys are just awesome
1: that's very nice of you to say because i you know when you create a brand and you develop a brand voice um you know you know what your intention is but what you described was is, is sort of exactly what oh, good. <laughs> um, what we see as our our goal. That that eating and drinking is a joyful experience. It is. And we don't take ourselves too seriously. We we're not self-righteous about what we're doing. It it is fun and delicious, and it should be mouthwatering. And our tone and what we hope to achieve is to speak like you're fun best friend who's taking you to oh smorgasburg totally and pointing pointing out like oh you got to try this oh please try this and we try to have you know we're punny we have a good time we think something is funny we run with it oh my we God. Can be personal. I mean, it. it that's our you're goal. are just I mean,
0: it's-, it's gold. Like, guys, if you're if you're listening, and clearly you are, if you're listening right now, you're listening. I really want you to check it out because we've had so many conversations throughout the episodes about storytelling and branding and really knowing your target. You know, it's this terrible word, but like, who's your avatar? Who are you speaking to? Like, talk to that person. Connect to that person. And this brand, what you guys have done with this, it is. It hits the bullseye of all of that. It is the most scrumptious. It is absolutely your best friend, but like the friend that you you feel good about yourself because you're friends with this person. Like it's the friend that can have the best time and yet at the same time not take themselves too seriously. It's like, it's a cool friend to have. Um, I love that you guys have everything from maple syrup gift sets to all different kinds of like, you know, bacon flavored chips. Like it's like, Everything. And you're right. The packaging is to die for. Like I can't really get over that every one of these products, if it tastes as good as it looks, I'm floored because they all look ridiculous. It's amazing.
1: Well, I think one of the things is that we don't taste our products blind, right? Because the packaging is part of the experience for um, the person opening the gift and the person eating it. So now sometimes we see a gorgeous totally beautiful designed product package and the product inside just isn't that wah, great wah, and wah. that's that's a bummer <laughs> um but so great packaging cannot mask a product that just isn't delicious um and sometimes there's a product that's absolutely delicious and the packaging or the design just isn't there. It doesn't express what's inside. Right. And um, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter and we don't care, and sometimes we just go back to the maker and we say, "You know what? This is so good. You you need to do your brand more justice. Yeah. Um, spend a little time thinking about this. Spend a little time thinking about, you know, what you want to say, how you want to communicate it." and you know do what you need to do barter with a designer friend if you need Ooh, to i love that you just um, said
2: that
0: it's so resourceful well, it's really,
1: it is i mean and i think that that goes on all the time and think about think about what you can give other people for them to do stuff for you oh my I god mean, i
0: love that you're saying this
1: yeah it's true i mean i think i mean i i've done it personally i've designed a lot of business cards for friends over the years yeah, and in return been, for stuff yeah. It helps greatly.
0: I thought, I love that you just said that. And I was going to ask you um, when you were starting to say that sometimes you you find something delicious and the packaging isn't just at, at where you want it to be. I was going to ask you if you give people feedback and, and then you went on to say that you do, which is really cool and generous of you guys. Like if you find something you like, you'll give people that feedback, which is so supportive of the indie maker.
1: I love that. Well, I think we also ideally there's this two way um, street where we, you know, we have a really good relationship with these artisans and are able to, you know, I mean, one of our missions is to help them grow their small business.
0: Quick question. Approximately how many indie makers are on your site?
1: I mean, we've had probably as many as 500 makers. Um, We've tried uh, to get As much representation from every state. That's fun. Uh, And it's great. I mean, because this this movement is happening everywhere. It is not just happening around the corner from our office. It's happening. You know, we have products from Colorado. We have products from Hawaii. We have products from... Tennessee, Florida, Texas, every, you know, pretty much almost every state in the country, so there are people doing wonderful things.
0: I love this. I mean, on top of everything else about it we already discussed, I just love the idea of supporting local business. It's so important. And I feel like, you know, as a society, I feel like we're, we're coming back to that. And it's so cool that clearly it's working out. People are supporting indie makers because you your business has grown exponentially since you guys started. When did you guys start?
1: We started in 2012. Um we started as New York Mouth, um kind of as a test mm-hmm. to see how that would do. We it, we were we started products just made in and around New York City and then we quickly kind of saw that this movement was was happening across the country and that um, people really wanted to experience, taste, and give uh, not just, you know, local to them, but really like, you know, it's kind of like you can go on a trip around the country by experiencing the food. I don't know about you, but when I travel, one of the first things that I like to do is go into a food market um, because it's a really quick way of experiencing the culture. And I think that one of the things that we were so happy about is that, you know, we have products from all over the U.S. and you can kind of explore different regions and and that's just a wonderful thing. I mean, you know, we've grown, we we transitioned to mouth and um, we definitely have prided ourselves on being able to put together, you know, kind of the next generation of food gifts. Like, you know, it's just There are a million places out there where you can get kind of like a traditional food basket with cellophane and a red ribbon or fruit, uh, you know, packed in raffia. And this is a new generation of people who want to give interesting gifts that are, you know, unusual products, hard to find, but that are going to, you know, make people... Really excited. You know, everyone for Christmas has gotten that, like, red tin of popcorn, right? Oh, yes. And with the three flavors. (laughs) And we have, like, prided ourselves on finding the absolute best, most interesting popcorns, you know, whether it's caramel corn or white truffle popcorn or, you know, really interesting, delicious products. And so we kind of like to think that, you know, we reinvented that popcorn tin. So you can send something from us. and. And you know instead of eating the you know the cheese one you're having you know nori popcorn or popcorn that tastes like a margarita i mean it's so it's kind fun. of amazing
0: so much fun yeah. and what's also just serendipitous is that I had asked you to be on this show months ago and we were trying to figure out our schedules and it just so happens that here we are like the week before Christmas having you on seems like perfect timing it all everything always works out you know and like this is such a great time to have you on because Mouth is such an incredible place to go looking at gifts. Now, a lot of you may have already gotten gifts, but if you haven't or even if you have and you want to give yourself a gift or you want to give someone a subscription, you guys should go and check it out. So I want to talk about your own personal story. Um, but before we get there, give me an example, if you can, of like three makers that you guys are are featuring on your site. Tell me about them and what their products are and, and a little bit about their story to to success,
1: Oh, sure. I love to talk about our makers, so I'm happy oh, to good. tell you some stories. And there's a lot of really great stories. And, and as I, I always say, there's, there's always a very sort of common theme, but every one of them kind of has a very interesting twist. So I'm going to start with Big Picture Farm, which is, uh, they make goat milk caramels. They're based in Vermont. Um, it was started by a couple, Louisa and Lucas, who met in college in Vermont went to grad school and sort of came back to Vermont to teach. She's a photographer and visual artist and he's a poet and creative writer and they were teaching. And oh my
0: god, I love them already. I know you I you them. really
1: would love them. And they were just <laughs> also just they're just amazing people. But so one of Lucas's students was had a family who ran a sheep and goat farm and the two of them had like a 4-month teaching break so they they decided, you know, they live in Vermont. Let's let's apprentice on this farm, and something just happened. They just fell in love with goats, not the sheep, the goats, and with farm life. And they they moved to a farm, and they now have forty goats. And rather than and, then, and all this goat milk, right? <laughs> so rather than make goat cheese, which is a pretty crowded market in Vermont, um, Louisa started playing around with caramels and you know, sewed little bags to hold them in, took them to a local farmer's market, you know, got feedback, perfected the recipe. And, you know, now they have this incredible company where, you know, they're, they've are they won tons of awards. Um, they have beautiful flavors. You can get like chai latte, goat milk, carrot. they're absolutely delicious. And the packages are stunning because one of the wonderful things about this story is that they were able to combine all of their talents. Um, I actually, you know, visited them in Vermont, and she gave me a tour of her studio, her art studio, and she draws each of her goats, and they all have names, by the way, all 40 of them, and her art is unbelievable, and, you know, each drawing will appear on different boxes. They have holiday boxes, and, or if, you know, if they do marketing materials. Um, her artwork appears on all, and it's just they're lovely people. And you know, here they are, like living this, you know, beautiful life together. They just had a baby. Um, you know, it's a, it's a real labor of love, and they they do they love these goats. They're incredibly kind to them. I cannot
0: believe they named all forty oh, yeah. goats, and she draws them, and they're supporting themselves making caramel. They are crazy yes. awesome. Okay, tell us a couple more. I love these Okay, stories.
1: so another uh, one of my favorite products is uh, peanut butter nut butters made by a company called Big Spoon Roasters out of Durham, North Carolina. Um, the founder, Mark, was you know a lifelong peanut butter fan. Apparently so was his father. And just in terms of the, how he got the name of his company, when uh, Mark was six, he walked in on his dad who was spooning peanut butter from the jar and just you know blurted out Big Spoon, which I guess his dad you know, that stuck and that was his nickname from that point on. So he named his company <laughs> after it. But anyway, Mark was volunteering in the Peace Corps in Zimbabwe of all places. And a small rural farming community. And they would harvest the peanuts and, you know, sit around with people and they were they would roast the peanuts over an open fire and then literally grind them by hand with between stones. Add salt to taste. Some families added honey. And he just was, you know, this was like his favorite food. Um, And it was just, you know, just stuck with him. And he came back to the States. He was living in D.C. He was managing communications for Produce Trade Association. And then one day, you know, had an amazing espresso. And it just kind of, he couldn't believe how great it was. And he contacted the company uh, and said, do you need help? I want to work for you. Uh, moved to Durham, worked for this company, and oh did God. all of their e-commerce branding, marketing, and really exposed him to every aspect of running a craft food business, which gave him the confidence to start his own. And he came back to the nut butter. Uh, you know, he he remembered what he had in Zimbabwe and started making it for himself. And he made his first batch. It was so good, and he just knew he. Was onto something, and you know, now he has this incredible business. He has wonderful flavors. I mean, he's making Mission almond nut butter, he's making ginger spice almond butter, he's making cashew peanut butter, cocoa peanut butter. It's fantastic. The packaging is exquisite, and you know, he's just a kind human being who is doing something great Well, yeah he was in the peace corps yeah.
0: for god's sake i mean it's, it's
1: just the you know it's <laughs> these people taking very rich life experiences and taking this passion and working from there they they've gotten all these experiences and you know put it into something that they love
0: yeah it's crazy and and he's now also supporting himself making this peanut butter
1: yep oh my god so cool
0: all right, you have one more.
1: I have one more. This one is actually pretty, literally around the corner in Brooklyn. Um, it's a company called Kings County Distillery, and it is New York City's oldest operating whiskey distillery, the first since Prohibition. Um, and the founders, oh my God, that's the founders crazy. had you know, Colin, who is one of the founders, is is from Kentucky. Uh, he you know had just a whole host of uh, different jobs, right? He was like a child actor in regional theater. He worked as a PA after college. He was a fragrance model at Estee Lauder. Like they would spray fragrance on him and <laughs> men's fragrance. Um, oh my and then he worked at, a, you know, an architecture firm on their publications and, you know, and his partner, David, um, is a met was a magazine editor. Um, you know, I think Colin, he started making whiskey and moonshine as a way to connect back to his home. He learned it you know, he he did it at home. It was trial and error, and then it you know it turns out that making at home is actually illegal. So the only way to do it is to oh, okay. actually make it legally. <laughs> and it it wasn't necessary to start a business, but that's what it is now. And so one thing led to another, and you know he it, they they started this distillery in a tiny room in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It was really the smallest commercial distillery in the country with like five twenty-four liter stills. Uh, making whiskey. And since then, they took over the Paymaster building in the Brooklyn Navy Yard, which is really just steps away from like the distillery district of Brooklyn's waterfront. So they're really a part, they're in this historic building. It is stunning. Um, They now are running tours and classes. They see like 15,000 visitors um, a year. And they've written a book about urban moonshine and now they're running a bar um, as well. And you know what's what's amazing about these products is I mean you have to see them. There are the exquisite glass flasks with sort of like totally up my personal aesthetic. They have like a very sleek typewriter label um, that kind of evokes like old drugstore. Uh, apothecary and they're but they're very modern um they make bourbon they make chocolate whiskey they make moonshine i mean we happen we happen to have worked with them i mean again you know one of the things about working with our makers was we we went to them and we worked together to curate a gift box for um this holiday season it's in this beautiful sleek wooden box with um three of their whiskeys one of which is exclusive to us and that was super fun and it's incredible that these guys, you know, they're running a business um, that is kind of like, it's a factory. They're they're creating, they're storytellers, um, they are, you know, they're teaching and it's an amazing thing to see. It's fantastic.
0: Okay, so that, that was just great. And I, I feel like we have such a clear picture of what Mouth is and how amazing it is. I want to talk about how you got there so take us through like if there was a a montage of a high of a few highlights i know that you were an art director at several places magazines you also worked in advertising you worked for ralph lauren so take us back through the highlight reel how did nancy become who she is today
1: Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I was very interested in a lot of things. I went to college. I wanted to be an actor. I considered becoming a psychologist. You know, but I always was the sign maker, the flyer designer. No matter what I did. Um, by the end of college, I I found my way to the daily newspaper, and and really that's when I became me. Like I just knew I wanted wow. to work for a publication. I wanted to be an art director, and I just, in particular, I was. Drawn to magazines and just tried to figure out how to make that happen. Um, after I graduated from college, I decided to go to Paris for the summer, um, and I—I I, my plan was since I didn't go to art school, I was going to take some design classes and and work. And I got there, and there was the class that I was planning to take was canceled. And there I was without working papers with a rent to pay. And my friend who I was with, uh, she and I shared a waitressing job. But I put together my resume. Mm -hmm. Again, this is like before the Internet. So I literally went through the phone book and wrote down the address of every U.S. media company, newspaper, news outlet, advertising agency. Um, I made a CV in French and in English. And I... Oh I literally God. walked around with my resume like off the bus.
0: That takes so much confidence and resourcefulness. That's like, there wasn't like a Google. It was just like, you went through the phone book. You had no idea who these even people Like now you could Google who the names are of these people. So you're saying you just opened the phone book, got addresses. Yeah, and I then literally walked like, in walked,
1: I was like, all right, with where's your- CBS? Oh where's God. Vogue? So I walked into the, the, um, <laughs> the Paris office of US Vogue and, um, asked to speak to the Paris editor and the receptionist said, well, she's not here. If you want, you could sit there and wait. So I decided to wait and I waited for about two hours. And this woman like out of a movie comes in like with the heels and the little dog in her bag and says to the receptionist, who's that, who's that girl? And she said, well, you should just meet with her. She's been sitting there for hours. So oh my God. <laughs> I went and she brought me into her office. And, you know, it's like this beautiful fantasy office. Um, and she asked me about myself. And I don't know. I guess she just decided she was going to help me. So she said, I'm sending you over oh my God. to my friend at Vogue Decoration, um, who is the, US, you know, the English editor of Vogue Decoration. And she sent me over and... He gave me a job as an intern. Um, I was, like, you know, writing captions and fact-checking. And he, you know, that summer was uh, just seminal for me. And when I, you know, came back to New York at the end of the summer, he wrote a letter to the head of Condé Nast HR uh, and said, you have to meet oh with God. this girl. And, um, and I did. And they sent me to meet my first boss, uh, Veronique Vienne, who at the time was... That's a movie, yeah, by the was, way. Can we just pause for was a second? It kind of crazy.
0: Like, that is a movie. That, that That is a movie. Like, you walked into Paris Vogue. That's like the mecca. And then you sat there. And you're like, yeah, I'll wait. Like, where does this confidence come from? Like, I'll wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll wait for the editor. And then she comes in with the dog. I love it. And then gets you a job, which then leads you to getting a letter to the head of HR at Condé Nast, it just – that's incredible what's on the other side of, like, having that confidence. Were you even surprised that you had the confidence to walk into that office
1: or no? No, I don't really know if I thought about it as confident. I just – did it. I just thought, okay, I'm going to just do this. I need to get a job. And you were like 21? When I just 21. I just thought, I oh just, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. I mean, I, I honestly really wasn't that confident. I just was willing to take a risk and I, I think I always have been willing to take a risk and I've always been sort of re- been willing to fail. So, you know, I didn't see it Good. as a rejection yes. of me. I just did it.
0: So then, okay, so then you worked
1: for, who did so you work for? So that really, like that really started everything from that that first job, I mean, I've been incredibly lucky to have been blessed with wonderful mentors. And Veronique was my first mentor and sort of opened the world to me. I mean, I was her assistant. I got lunch every day. I did anything. And um, and she, in turn, sort of gave me opportunities, let me design pages. That was itself. And um, I was always a little... Um, insecure because i hadn't gone to art school um so you know one of the things that i would say is take classes so i just i took some classes at night at parsons and sva which gave me a little bit more confidence and i got to do a little bit more and more and more and everything sort of led from there i think you know i i feel very blessed because i i had these incredible mentors most of whom were older than me many of whom you know didn't have children of their own um or their kids were grown. And they just, they were people I've turned to over and over again. And I think that's really important to create a network of yourself of, of people you can turn to for day to day advice, but also like the big life questions. I've always kind of called them my board of directors when I've had to make a change or a tough decision. You know, it's these people that I've, I've really turned to. So, so I moved on from self to Metropolis, which was like a dream job for a designer because it's a magazine about design. And yes. um, it was just wonderful. I was co-art director and I had a wonderful partner again, another mentor. And you didn't go to art school? No, I mean, I I kind of... Ta-
0: Self-taught. Sort
1: of, yeah. Look at that.
0: Okay, so you went from self, you went to Metropolis, you were co-art director. What was the next big deal? Um,
1: I took the leap and um, worked on... The launch of ESPN Magazine again. I'm not a sports fan, but that seemed uh, I really adored the founding editor, and we did about two years of test issues, and I was art director there. And I and I think that experience taught me that you know it was about the people in the process and not necessarily about the subject. I mean, I related to mm-hmm. it because you know I come from a family where you know there are a lot of sports fans, and so I knew who my audience was. My audience was definitely right. my brothers. Um, yelling at the TV during a, you know, during a Giants game. And I knew that, you know, what we were working on was kind of the translation of, a, you know, the sort of sports network into a magazine. You know, that was really like a startup energy. And I was always drawn to really hard positions. Um, I never had just like a nine to five job. I was always kind of drawn to the challenge. Um, so, you know, I art directed a few more publications. And then, you know, I was in a situation where I would be hired by an editor and the editor would get fired. And typically in a magazine, what that means is when the new editor comes in, the art director is typ- is often typically the first to go. And so I was mm-hmm. definitely laid off numerous times Um, and it's, something that I think was incredibly valuable to not take personally and to turn those situations into, okay, well, what am I going to do now and make the most of it? And, um, and you know, I think that's just a part of life.
0: Well, wait a second. I mean, that's no small thing. I feel like so often people are, are saying, you know, in fact, somebody just asked me this the other day, one of our, our listeners said, I feel like, you know, my job, it's like up and down, I'm working for myself. And sometimes I feel like it's just time to like, okay, pack this in and get, we'll get a more stable job. How did you keep going? Because you said you had this one and it led to this one. And for a while it was like you were bouncing from lily pad to lily pad and landing on your feet. But then when you're getting fired and it's not even based on your own like error, it's just based on like administration changes.
1: I mean, in terms of, you know, getting laid off, I think I've always turned those moments into an opportunity to rethink what I'm doing, Um, maybe to take a little bit of a break and recharge. On my last magazine job where my editor left, um, I started pursuing other opportunities, yet keeping an open mind that it might work out. And I guess I just decided I needed to take a break from magazines. I I wanted to try something else and I shifted to advertising and I hmm. took a job at a small agency with a very large client, Ralph Lauren. Um and I've
0: heard of him, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and,
1: and this was really a game changer for me. I had never done advertising and I never done fashion. Um it was life-changing in that I I got to work with a whole other caliber of photographer, like on incredibly high budget shoots that I was art directing and managing and um, with really talented, super amazing people. It's really
0: special. Um,
1: and also to go to meetings with Ralph Lauren to present the work and- That's ridiculous. Listening <laughs> to him talk about the brand and his brand. Oh my God. I, he's, it was really an invaluable experience. I, I would say, again, a lot can come out of working for a, a big company or a big client like that. You know, Fashion definitely was not for me. Um, I sometimes felt like, especially on photo shoots with clients, I sometimes felt like this perpetual state of being like a middle school kid holding a tray in the cafeteria and not knowing where to sit. Oh, I so know that feeling in my head. Yeah. uh, So it wasn't exactly the right fit, but (laughs) I learned so much from it. I met an incredible network of brilliant, talented people. So I use a lot of that today in what I do. After that, I was doing a lot of freelance consulting, again on fashion, uh, and I, I started my f- focusing on writing um, because that was always something that I did for myself in college and beyond, and I joined a writing group um, where I had a writing coach. And it was the most for about five years. I wrote and read every week to this group of people. Oh, that's it was awesome. Totally for myself, writing for the sake of writing, not with a goal. Not w- it was just about the words and doing your best work. And I learned that I love to write. I love writing garbage. And then I edit and it's all in the edit for me. And it's co- it's essentially like designing. I like design a paragraph by moving words around and editing it. Uh, it so it was really the one of the most rewarding uh, educations that I gave myself. And then something happened. I wrote something about a funny experience that happened to me. I realized that it was it was something I wanted to share. I shared it with a friend who loved it. She said, can I share this with a friend of her of hers who is a writer? He loved it. And he said, can I pass this on to a friend of mine who is an editor at the New York Times? Oh, come on. And, oh I, and the next thing I know, um, the first piece I put out into the world uh, was actually in the New York Times magazine as a lives column. And it's definitely the peak of my writing career, uh, for sure. I would
0: say so. (laughs) Uh, And I
1: may never hit that again, but it was um, incredibly amazing. And, you know, my lesson there is, like, I've got a folder now still on my desktop of, like, a, a body of work that I worked on years ago. And, you know, do something. Don't be afraid to share it. Throw your hat in the ring. Like, I just, you know. I love that lesson. And now, I mean, at... Look, I never thought I would have a linear career. My mom is a great example. She was an English teacher. And then when I was a kid, she did a whole bunch of different things to try and figure out what she wanted to do next. And my mentors were all designers who became writers or writers who became painters. And I had these people who you know, said, you don't have to just do one thing. You can do lots of things. And so when I got pulled into mouth, you know, it was like a dream because I was bringing together, first of all, I was tired of writing about myself and my own experiences and eager to write about something else and other people. Um, I was bringing together my passion for words and my design and getting to integrate them, and you know, in a, when you're in a startup, you're working twenty four seven, and you have to do everything. So I was handling the branding and the writing and the voice, and the visuals and the marketing and the PR and answering customer service emails that would come in. And we were packing boxes, and you know, we were in this tiny office, three people, and then it just took off from there. But you know, it's what's really great about the experience. And this is true now of all the people who work with us because we just have this incredible, it's a group effort and I'm like blessed to work with the most talented group of people. You know, if we think something is funny, we go for it. Like we're the client. Um, we come up with a funny name for a gift box, like six degrees of bacon with six beacon products in yeah. it, or, yeah. or like, uh, Eat Your Feelings is a gift box for breakups or whatever. <laughs> you know, my personal recent excitement was coming up uh, with uh, Hanukkah Gelt. Uh, the name of our product for our private label brand is Gelt Trip. Um, oh, because, yep. And, and that, that just made me very happy. Uh-huh. So, yeah, this is what I do now. I sit around and come up with puns. But, you know, it's just it's just a, it's. just
0: – You're getting to do all of it. You're getting yeah, to write and you're getting to do the art direction as well.
1: Yeah, it's – I mean startups are hard. You have to be committed, you have to be passionate, you have to be ready to do anything and everything. Know every aspect of a business. Yeah. There can't be a job that you won't do. Um and you also have to be flexible. You have to be kind of ready to change course if you need to. Another really important thing is if you're going to go for it, you have to have the support of the people in your life because it does take a lot out of you and you know Everyone needs to be on board. Um your friends, your roommate, your family, your partner if you're in a relationship. It it takes a lot out of you. Um so you, you gotta go for it, but be able to to commit.
0: That's awesome. I loved hearing your whole story. Um I, I loved what you said about how your career how you kind of knew your career didn't have to be so linear we get that question all the time from listeners people will say i have like six passions i'm not sure which one to try first or which one to choose as like my identity for the rest of my life and here you are saying like it doesn't have to be the rest of your life you can do one thing and then you can do the next thing and that's such a refreshing point of view i'm so glad that you shared your whole evolution so what does success mean to
1: you Personally, I I suppose success means really being present and being able to enjoy what it is that I'm doing while I'm doing it.
0: Oh, that's great. Um,
1: I think that you get so caught up in the stress of your to-do list that sometimes you can just get distracted and forget that you're actually doing what you want to be doing and oh, yeah. <laughs> having, you know, and how just having the perspective every day. Um, you know, I walk to work, which is such a gift. And every single day I make a point of saying, I walk to work. This is not normal and I appreciate no. it. And I think, so in terms of success, I, I think obviously you need to be able to make a living and support yourself doing what you love Um, that's really important. It's important for women. It's important for everyone. Um, I think being able to put yourself into something a hundred percent and feel good about it and believe in what you're doing and believe in the people around you who are doing it with you, that makes me feel like I'm doing something right. I would just add that working with smart, creative, good, kind people. I mean, you spend so much of your day it's true. and your job with, I spend more time with people I work with over the years yeah. than I have with my husband or my kids or my family oh my God, in, in some ways. You think of and it. It, it's the most important piece of what, uh, when I look back, I think about the people who have become my dear friends and people who have inspired me and mentored me and those relationships and that process of collaborating with people and working together with people and solving problems with people Mm, um, is absolutely what I think about when I think about my career and, and what it's meant to me or the those relationships that I've forged. That is
0: so beautiful. That's what you take with you. That makes so much sense. And it's incredible when you put it in that perspective, that is what you spend most of your time doing. It's just a fact. What do you want to say specifically to women who are trying to figure out as a mom, how to create balance? I know that for a lot of women, there's, a, there's something associated with going for what you want in some ways you feel your kids are going to lose. And is it possible, and I know it is, you've done it, um, I'm doing it, trying, you've been doing it longer than me, is it possible to be a mom who's fulfilled in, in their role as a mom and also in work, and what do you think was one of the main hacks, the life hacks, that helped you sustain that
1: balance? Great question. I also, I just want to point out that I think that as a society, we need to start asking men these questions too. Um, Yes, we do. Because I think that's really important. But yes, it is absolutely a very hot topic of discussion. It's been a struggle (laughs) to figure that out. That balance thing is kind of like talk about a dream. That's, you know, we are all striving for the idea of balance. And I don't yet Know exactly what that is, (laughs) right? Right. Because, I mean, it's hard. When my kids were little, and I have two daughters who are now teenagers, when they were very young, I was a freelancer and I uh, don't like working alone. I really love working with other people. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't the most ideal situation for me creatively. However, it worked out well for my family and where at the stage we were at, at the time. Um, mm-hmm. that said, one of the things I learned is that when you're a freelancer, you're on a project and it's intense and it's full time. And, and just because it's not a permanent position, right. you have to throw yourself into it. So there was one particular job I was doing where it kind of took a, it took over our apartment. Um, and <laughs> it wasn't, and it was kind of, in some ways, uh, more intrusive than if I had just been going to an office every day mm. and um so it it's an interesting thing. but when I started working full time again, I think actually my daughters, first of all, they really uh, loved what I was doing. they got it. it was very tangible to them. They were on board, they were fans, and they were so excited and proud. And they felt that they were a part of it. And I think it's important to um, talk to your kids about what you do. And it makes them feel like they are a part of it, uh, that they are with you. And I would say that I have made sure to be, you know, my kids are my first priority. They come first. And I have not missed, you know, an important event in their life. And, you know, luckily I, have built, uh, some flexibility and, you know, into my, into my work life, but ultimately they're really proud of what I've done and mm-hmm. they feel connected to it. And hopefully, I mean, my hope is that they'll look back and think, oh, well, you know, my mom worked hard. They saw how hard I worked. They saw that hard work, can lead to something. I also don't sugarcoat, you know, mistakes that I've made, um, mistakes that we've made. I mean, they they learn, they see that there's that it's hard to to run a business. They see challenging moments and how I work through them, and I think those are really valuable life lessons for families. Um, true, you know, when when I look back uh, on some of the moments in my life. Um, you know, some of the things that I'm the most proud of were things that were so hard for me. For example, when I was in college and I was a psychology major, I had to take a year of statistics and oh I don't gosh. like math so much and um, it doesn't come <laughs> easily to me. I'm not going to say I'm not good at it because I think a lot of women say that. And it, but, <laughs> but I think that it was something I worked my ass off to, to um get through, and it was a struggle, and I worked so hard and I wound up you know when I think back to college like it's the one grade I remember, but i did I got a hundred on my stat final, and when I look back Crazy. at that it it i know it sounds so silly, but it means so much to me that that yeah, but, you work, but you but it's earned a lesson it. it's a it's a metaphor, and I actually give that example to my kids all the time because knowing that you can overcome something like that's hard for you gives you tremendous power. It gives you such a that's feeling so of true. accomplishment and it gives you like a lesson of accomplishment that, that you can just take a risk and try something. And, and if you're not good at it, that doesn't mean that you can't become good at it.
0: That's correct. That's very powerful. I love that. I love that and 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 that is so true. That is so true and it's it's a great example. Like you went through something and you didn't think necessarily that you'd get 100 and you did and it proves to you that when you put your mind to something, why does it have to be impossible? You know, you and I had talked before this interview and I know that you had done this Tory Burch mentoring program. Do you want to say anything about that and what you learned from being in that program as it relates to the conversation we're having now?
1: What I would say is for, for people uh, who are trying to start a business, a small business, mm-hmm. there are a remarkable number of programs out there to help give people a boost. Not just, I mean, communities. There are networks. There are fellowships. There are grants. And I think you can do a, some really quick research in your specific community about what's what's happening. I mean, I know like some of the bigger banks – um you know like goldman sachs i know they have a program for um not just 10,000 women uh but also now 10,000 small businesses and you can they have a, an amazing uh mentorship program or you know companies like tory birch they have a foundation and you know offer a fellowship that you can apply for i participated in like a speed mentoring session last year and you know the winner of this fellowship, I guess, gets a hundred thousand um, dollars toward their business. Wow. Support systems are, you know, they're not just, Fantastic. they're not just in cities. They're in small cities. They're in rural yeah. communities. There's a ton, and there's a ton of online support. So I think, but I think creating a network of people you can turn to for advice, um, you know, oh, I'm trying to research this, or I'm trying to research that. Who can I turn to? I think, those communities exist. And I mean, I know that's, that's been true for me. I mean, I've built a network of other designers and writers and over the years. And when I need to hire someone or when I, when I have a question about a software program, I have people, I can say, "Oh, I don't know how to do this. I forgot. Can you remind me? And it's just so important. No,
0: that's awesome. And I'm glad you mentioned it because I wouldn't have known that or thought of that. The fact that there's also these things where you could go through a speed round and maybe get $100,000, that that could just be like such a fun day to participate in no matter what. So that's really neat. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, As we're closing, coming back over to mouth, what is your advice from a branding, from a business standpoint? You are so much like a queen of really understanding how to convey your message to your audience and you do it in picture and you do it in words. What do you want to say to people? Because most of us don't have that skill. What, what's something that maybe is like a trick or something that we can keep in mind? How how can we, how can we get, you know, an ounce of that?
1: Well, I think whatever you're doing has to reflect you, has to reflect who you are and you have to be true to what your core idea is always, right? And I think that that's definitely one of my takeaways from listening to Ralph Lauren talk. Um, sometimes we would experiment on a photo shoot and he would look at the pictures and say, this isn't me. You know, he needed to be able to put his logo on a photo and and then take it away and still have people know that it was Ralph Lauren. And I think that yeah. one of the really important things that i you know feel so strongly about is that the best brands are consistent and clear across the board in everything that they do so whether it's for mouth i mean whether it's our logo or the way the site looks or our photography or the marketing that we send out in the box or the design of our box or our private label brand or Even the tone with which our, you know, customer service team answers email, it has to be speaking from the same voice. And likewise, if you're starting a company, if you have a small business, um, you have to really think about what it is you're trying to communicate, how you want to make people feel, uh, let's say they taste your cookie and open the package, um, and then Figure out what you need to do if you're not someone who, you know, like Kings County, they have a beautiful natural aesthetic or big picture farm. I mean, they're artists, but not everyone is. So, um, figure out that, get the help that you need in order to do that. Don't be afraid to get help. There are things that you're good at. Reach out. And I think that's really, really important. And I also think that. Growing responsibly and taking on what you can handle. That has actually always been, while as a startup, we've tried to push ourselves. We always try and push ourselves, right? That said, we've tried to not take on things that we don't think we can execute flawlessly. Exactly. We have had projects come our way. You know, someone wants us to do this or someone wants us to do that. Hey, do you want to try this? And some of them we do, but some of them we say, you know what? that is eye off the ball for us. We need to master this thing right now. And we need to succeed at this thing right now. And if, and we'll get there, we'll, there'll be time for that. There'll be time for this. But right now we, we need to be responsible and not get ahead of our skis and do something that is going to break us, right? Like right now is, is holiday. We are working around the clock to get those boxes out and delivered sure. in time, right? And there have been times in, in other seasons where, you know, we've uh, taken on something and it's, or we have chosen not to because we want to make sure that at our core we're delivering on what we're offering. Um, yeah. And I think, so I think that's important is to not grow faster than um, you need to. And a, a lot of companies make this mistake, especially ones that are really lucky enough to go out and raise money. Yeah. When you raise money, hold on to it. Use it wisely. <laughs> no, I mean it like right. like be really careful about how you spend it because yeah. you know, don't buy yourself a new computer, right? Like right. like be scrappy for as long as you can because um what you want is to build a business that has legs that can last, right? And We've seen a lot of businesses start in the years that we've been in existence that have grown so fast, so quickly, and the model, the underpinnings of the business model has not been solid, and they've burnt out and gone out of business, and so I think that's really important.
0: Yep, that's really solid, really sound advice. Um, Well, this was just fantastic i've learned so much i love that you took us on all these adventures around the country and we got to get a glimpse of all these makers and i love i love your own personal story i feel like i'm going to be telling that to everybody i see today and for like years to come about how you walked into that office at vogue in paris i just it's fantastic
1: well, I mean, you've been very complimentary, and it's nice to think of myself as a super confident person, but I think it's really important for everyone to realize that um it's really hard and it's hard to put yourself out there and I have like a ton of moments of when I'm not sure of what I'm doing and when i'm just I feel like I'm just making it up as I go along and that's normal that's how everyone feels so yeah. you know I think that i I think realizing that You know, everyone feels that way is so important um, because no one has all the answers at all. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad that you said that. You know, that kind of just makes you even cooler. It's so nice to have have heard you say that because it is easy to listen to the story and be like, well, that worked for her because she's amazing and that won't work for me because I'm not. But to know that you're also uncomfortable sometimes or scared sometimes and you keep going anyway and that you don't have it all figured out is very reassuring. So thank you for sharing that. So in closing, tell us where to find you guys.
1: Well, you can find us at mouth.com and you can pick something for yourself. You can subscribe to one of our boxes or you can pick one of our amazing curated gifts. Um, you can also find us actually, we have, we own and operate a brick and mortar, um, liquor store in Dumbo, Brooklyn on water street, which is a beautiful, lovely shop that features. It's very unusual because we, um, only sell American made, um, craft spirits and wine. So it definitely has a point of view and, um, we have a really great following there in the neighborhood. And you can find us on Instagram at @mouthfoods and join our community. And um, if you interact with our products, you can upload your own photos to our site. And, oh, that's cool! We really, yeah, we have a really cool feature that allows um, allows you to do that, and um, that's been really fun.
0: So fun! Well, you guys have to you have to go look and see what's going on at mouth. dot com. It's just really exquisite and it's not just that the products are great but I feel like you guys are going to learn a lot about like what makes something fantastic in terms of branding so I want you guys to study it and look at it and see what Nancy's helped create um thank you so much for all of this time it's been so generous of you to be here and you've said so many things that are going to stay with with us for a while so I really appreciate just your own journey which um allowed you to have this wisdom to share so thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. For, I'm really humbled to uh to have done this. So I really appreciate it. And you have asked some really thought-provoking questions that oh, I've good. really enjoyed. Good.
0: All right. Thanks. Such a fun discussion. All right. Well, here are some of the takeaways. Number one, don't take things too seriously. Have fun with what you do. Number two, Be willing to take a risk and be willing to fail. Number three, have a board of mentors who can help you with the day to day or big life questions. Number four, when things don't work out, don't take it personally. Ask yourself, how can I make the most of it? Number five, sometimes you do the work just for yourself, but don't be afraid to throw your hat in the ring. Number six, it's totally okay to have a non linear career. Number seven, jump into experiences that provide you with useful tools for the future. Number eight, make your loved ones a priority. Number nine, just because you aren't good at something doesn't mean you can't become good at it. Number 10, grow responsibly. Only take on the work that you know you can execute flawlessly. And number 11, no one has the answers. We're all making it up as we go. All right, guys. So this week, I'm going to leave you with a different song. Um it's called So This Is Love and I'm playing the song this week because my wedding anniversary is in 2 days it's December 20th and I wrote this song about a year after I got married and it was based on something that happened the day of my wedding I want to tell you really quickly what this song's about So there I was about to get married and I was literally like, I had just gotten my makeup and hair done and I was about to get in the line of the processional, you know, to like walk down the aisle and the flower girls had already started walking and I'm like standing in the back about to walk down in maybe like 40 seconds. And you know, now the bridesmaids are going and it's soon going to be my cue and my sister runs up to me and she goes, your cell phone just rang. And I think you're going to want to take this call. I said, take a call. What? I feel like walk down the aisle. And so she said, I'll stall the band. I'll tell them to like keep vamping on the same chords, just pick up the phone. So I pick up the phone and, um, you know, she was right. I definitely wanted to take the call. So I have a very wonderful, wise, dear old friend. His name is David Aaron. He's so special. He's written many books. He was, Once to give you an idea of who he is, he was once on a panel on the Larry King show and it was like him, Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williamson. They were talking about existence, why we're here, what the meaning of life is, all that stuff. And anyway, so that's the kind of person he is. So he called and he actually was going to come fly in for my wedding, but he wound up not being able to because his daughter went into labor the night before. So he called me. He said, oh, did I miss it? I, I feel so bad. I wanted to talk to you before you got married. I said, no, I'm actually about to get married in like a minute. He's like, oh, well, you should go. I said, no, no, while I have you on the phone, I want to ask you such an important question. You know, when I'm standing there under the chuppah, that's what we call it in a Jewish wedding, we stand under this like traditional, it's beautiful, it's called the chuppah. I said, when I'm standing there, what should I be thinking about? What should I be praying for? What should I be meditating on? What, what thoughts should I be sort of ruminating on when I'm standing there and getting married? And he goes, oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I can't just give you a pat answer. You know, I have to think about it. And I said, all right, well, take your time. And then I'm like, but not too much time. Like, I got to walk down the aisle. So he's like, all right, hang on, hang on, hang on. And he goes, okay, I got it. And of course, I thought he was going to say, you know, you you should think about, you know, having a long life. You should think about having beautiful children. You should think about having a long life together with him. And he said, you should hope and you should pray that, the love between the two of you is so real and it's so true that when you walk through the world together and people see you, that they should believe that love is real. And I thought that was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever heard. He said, yeah, you know, you should, you should think about, you know, there's so many broken souls. There's so many people who are alone today, so many more singles than there ever were. And he said, I think part of the reason is because on some level, people don't really believe that other people are capable of really loving them anymore. You know, like people feel like people don't stick around or that love is something that's not unconditional or it's not real. And people feel like maybe the jig is up. Maybe it's just not really there. It's not really true. It doesn't really exist. And he said, so maybe the love between the two of you, how amazing would that be if, if that love, helped other people believe that love was real. You know, I hope that's not only what you think about and pray for, but I hope that that's what's true. And I was crying. I was, like, so touched by that. And uh, and then I got married, you know, and I thought about that. And um, And, of course, you know, we work on it every single day. And marriage is, like, you know, it really, like, hits you in, like, that toughest place because it challenges you. You have to really see yourself. You have to be the best version of yourself. And... You have to really accept this other person and be kind to them and and, it, and it's a work in progress. But I did write this song and I wanted to share it with you guys and now you know what it's about. I hope you like it. Well guys, I love you to pieces. If you haven't left us a review on iTunes, that is such a great way to to say thanks, especially around the holiday season. That's an incredible gift to give me. If you want to give me a Hanukkah gift wrapped up with a big bow, leave us an iTunes review and follow me on Instagram and post about our show on Instagram and tag a few friends and say, hey, I think that you guys would really love this show. That would mean the world to me and I hope that you guys are just continuously reminded by me of what's true, which is you are significant. You're here for a reason. And, uh, the world desperately needs what it is that you came to offer. So I hope that you get busy following your bliss and putting it into the world. I'll talk to you guys next week. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street and producer Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.
2: Can we skip this part? Go right to the end Two old souls in love forever Spend 60 happy years together People will see us and believe So this sing parts So this will be the love that heals a thousand hearts Love's a possibility